first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth with John, and they came to the tomb. So they ran both together, and John did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre. He saw and believed, but as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, but I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never We conclude the biblical passion of Christ with the resurrection and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Mitchell presents the beginning and early morning of the resurrection day, and our hope is that you will have been encouraged that we do have a living Savior. Thank you for being with us on this special Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We begin chapter 20 of John, and in this chapter, Dr. Mitchell will speak of Jesus as the victorious one. Jesus is risen from the dead. Now John records Mary Magdalene being alone, while the other Gospels record the presence of other women. And John also goes into detail about Peter and John himself racing to see the empty tomb. Now John stooped down, he saw and believed, but as yet he did not understand the scripture about Jesus' resurrection. And Dr. Mitchell goes on to present the doctrinal importance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He emphasizes that this resurrection is physical and not merely spiritual. Jesus appeared in his body to Mary Magdalene, and with his familiar voice, he called her by name, and she recognized his voice. Do you remember how Jesus says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice? Well, turn with us to John chapter 20, verse 1, with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. We welcome you again, and we're coming to the end of the Gospel through John in our studies. We're now in the 20th chapter of this wonderful Gospel. We've just been talking about the death and burial of our Savior. 
the marvelous thing that our Lord is a perfect, complete, eternal Savior to those who put their trust in him. He finished the work. He finished the work of the revelation of the Father, and he finished the work of redemption. God is indeed perfectly satisfied with the work of his Son. He wants you and me to be perfectly satisfied. So we simply put our trust in him and believe God for what he says. And then we have these two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They were secret disciples, and yet they really loved the Savior. And my, what courage they manifested, even though they'd been full of fear before, now they've got the courage to ask for the body of our Savior, and he's put in the tomb and buried. And you remember Pilate and the Jews followed along and made sure that the body was in the tomb and this tomb was sealed and they set a watch. Now let me come to chapter 20. And I want to say very frankly that when we come to this chapter, and then when we think of chapter 24 of Luke's gospel and chapter 16 of Mark's gospel, 28th chapter of Matthew's gospel, take all these details of the coming of our Savior after resurrection where he makes 11 appearances, I'm not going to go into all of them. I'm going to stick to what we have here in the gospel through John. The cross is a tragedy without resurrection. Remember that as I read this portion. I'm reading chapter 20, and I'm going to take the liberty of reading right on down through to verse 18, 18 verses. I'm going to take the time to do this. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, out of the tomb, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and with John, and they came to the tomb, to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and John did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre. He saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre, weeping. And as she swept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why do you weep? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, 
Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, but I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Now here we come to the to the resurrection of our Savior. And in chapter 20, we have our Lord revealed as the victorious one. You remember in chapters 18 and 19, our Lord uh, was the one in subjection. We have the obedient Savior. And here we have the victorious one. And may I say that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the sequel to his life and death. It's a sequel to his birth all the way through. He was born supernaturally. That holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest. His life was supernatural. His death was supernatural. No man can take my life from me. I have power to lay it down. And the resurrection, of course, is the sequel to his life and death. Now, in these verses, which we have, in fact, in this whole chapter, we have three manifestations of our Savior. We have them to Mary and to the disciples and to Thomas. Now, here we have the great claims of Christ proved by his resurrection. As I've said a moment ago, if Christ be not raised from the dead, we haven't anything. The cross is a tragedy without resurrection. We as Christians have absolutely nothing if he be not raised from the dead. In his death, we see the manifestation, the demonstration of his love for men and women. But in his resurrection, we see his power and his authority. You remember in Romans chapter 1, the fourth verse, remember how that book starts? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, called an apostle, separate unto the gospel of God, which he had promised to fall by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son. The good news from God to men is concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, who was a real man, born of the seed of David. He was a real man in the midst of men. The fourth verse says, But he was the Son of God, risen with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Or putting it in a very simple way, Jesus Christ was marked out from everybody else by the resurrection from the dead. Now we're coming to the basic foundational truth of the gospel of our Savior. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then we're still in our sins. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then he didn't satisfy the holy character of God. If he's not raised from the dead, we have no Savior. Death is conquered. Hell is conquered. Hell is victorious if Christ is not raised from the dead. Rather an amazing thing, and I'm saying this because, my friend, we're dealing with the most important thing with respect to Christianity. When you come to the book of Acts, the great theme of the early church was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Approximately 30 times they speak of the resurrection of Jesus. Less than 10 times they speak of the cross. Why? 
Because if Christ be not raised from the dead, as the Apostle Paul wrote, we are yet in our sins. We are of all men most miserable. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. We haven't anything. If Christ is not raised from the dead, I repeat it, we have no Savior. But if Jesus Christ be raised from the dead, I can say to any man, any woman, I don't care who they are or what they are, if they will put their trust in Jesus Christ, I can guarantee on the ground of his resurrection that they will never again see their sins if they accept the Savior. I'll guarantee an eternal, complete forgiveness. I'll guarantee eternal life. I'll guarantee a new relationship with God as the children, as the sons of God. I'll guarantee them eternal, unbroken fellowship with God based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In fact, I would say it's the most authenticated fact of all history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You remember when you come to Corinthians chapter 15, he was seen by the apostles. He was seen by Paul as one born out of due time. He was seen of 500 brethren. And Paul goes on to say, of whom the greater part were still living when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. Believe me, my friend, I'm telling you, if Christ be not raised from the dead, we have nothing. But believe me, when I think of the transformed lives, transformed families, by the power of the gospel of Christ, you've got to explain their transformation if Christ be not raised from the dead. The gospel proves itself by what it does. And it's not the negative preaching. Paul wasn't preaching against anybody. He was preaching a positive message of a risen, glorified Savior who put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and guaranteed it by his resurrection. So, so I can say to you today, I don't know who you are, but I'll tell you one thing, my friend. Just as sure as Christ was raised from the dead, just so sure am I that your sins have been put away. Just so sure am I that God is perfectly satisfied with the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. Surely I'm satisfied in the resurrection of every believer to stand before God conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. All that I have in Christ is guaranteed by the resurrection. And if he's not raised from the dead, we haven't anything. And by the way, we're going to see in the chapter when we get through this question, was it a spiritual resurrection or was it the resurrection of the body that was nailed to the cross? I've just read to you the first, the first uh, 18 verses of this chapter. And here we have the appearing of the Lord to Mary. Uh, let me read again. First day of the week, cometh Mary Magdalene early. It was yet dark, and when she came there, she found that the stone had been rolled away from the sepulchre. Do you remember you had that story in Matthew 28? She runneth, she left the sepulchre, and she went and found Simon Peter and, and found John together. And she said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and I don't know where they've laid him. Now you have the experience of Peter and John from verses 3 uh, down through verse 10. Let me take up Peter and John. Peter therefore went forth and John, and they came to the sepulchre. And John did outrun Peter. He got there first. And by the way, if you take these three personalities, Mary, Peter, and John in the chapter, 
you'll notice that the movements of these three uh, are so typical of their personalities. First of all, you see the unbelief of Mary. They've taken away the Lord. And I'll come back to Mary in a few moments. But let me take Peter and John. Um, John, I did outrun Peter. And what did he do? He, stooping down, looked in, just typical of John, held back, he looked in, and he saw the clothes lying, yet he didn't go in. Peter came barging right after, after John, and he went right into the sepulchre, just typical of Peter, just like him, impulsive Peter, and he seeth the linen clothes lie. He saw the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in John, what he saw, he came out, and he came out believing. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. Now here you find, you find John came, and he looked in. Mark these two men. He didn't go into it, he just looked in. As the word says, he, the word is from Blepo, he, he looked in. Then afterwards he went in again, and he saw with the understanding, and he believed. He believed on the ground of the evidence which he saw. The body was not stolen. There was no disorder, just as they had been on Jesus. You see, if they had robbed the body of the, at the tomb, if his body had been taken out of there, there would have been confusion. There would have been disorder of the clothes. There would have been tossed hither and yon. Or as some people have said, the Lord was in a coma, and he got out of it. If he had, he would have torn the clothes off him. You'd have had disorder, but no. When John looked in and he saw the linen clothes lying in perfect order, and the napkin laid by itself. See, the napkin was that was about his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by its a perfect order. First, our God is the God of order. No disorder. The clothes were right where they should be. The napkin, uh, and when John saw it, he believed. He believed. He not only saw with his eyes, but he saw uh, the evidence which made him believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. What about Peter? Not Peter. Peter, very impulsive, he dashed into the tomb. He looked in. He looked critically saw the clothes, came out wondering, greatly perplexed. The difference in the two men. A lot of folk today are just like that. There are those like John who see the evidence and believe. There are many like Peter. They're perplexed about the whole business. They look at it critically. And don't tell me that John loved the Lord more than Peter did. They both loved the Lord. You remember in chapter 24 of the Gospel through Luke, uh, they had said we had hoped that he would have restored Israel. But it's no, no use now. Our hope has been shattered. Peter loved the Lord. Don't you forget that. Peter loved the Lord. His faith wasn't shattered. It was his hope that was shattered. That's why Peter could say in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, they lost their hope. You have that in Luke 24. You have it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
Now, this is Peter and John. Now, let's come back to Mary. We find Mary in, in, verse, uh, in verse 2. Mary said to Peter and John, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and I know not where they have laid him. They've taken away the Lord. Verse 11. And Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down, looked into the sepulcher, and saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. They say to her, Woman, why do you weep? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have borne him else, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Jesus said just one word to her, Mary. She turned and said, and Rabboni, Master. Just a word about Mary. First of all, you notice, please, her unbelief. She said to Peter, they've taken away the Lord. She's full of fear. Now, I don't know where the other women were, but Mary was the one at the tomb. And by the way, she's the first one to whom the Lord appeared after resurrection. Mark her sorrow. She was full of sorrow. She wept. She sobbed. Did she have a right to weep? Of course she did. If the Lord Jesus was still dead. You see, all her life, all her affections were wrapped up in that tomb. Do you notice the difference? She said to Peter and John in verse 2, they've taken away the Lord. But when she saw the angel, she said, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Here is Mary in her devotion, seeking a dead Christ. And she's not going to be stopped by the impossible. She's even willing to carry away the dead body. Tell me where you've laid him, sir. I'll go and I'll get him and I'll take him away and bury him. And she refuses to be sidetracked by angelic beings. Angels can't satisfy her heart. There's only one who will satisfy her heart, and that's the Savior. They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. My, I wonder, precious Christian friend, how much is your devotion for the Savior? Did you notice this Mary? She's not going to be sidetracked by even by angels. Woman, what are you weeping for? They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. She was seeking a dead Christ. She's willing this frail woman was willing to take the very body of Jesus and take it away. Her love, her devotion for the Savior. She's not going to be sidetracked by angels or anything else. You know, I've got to say this, how easy it is for Christians today to be sidetracked. I'm sure if an angel came into your meeting, into your service, you wouldn't stop talking about the fact that an angel came into your meeting. You'd be occupied with the angel. Very easy, wouldn't it be, to be occupied with an angel? I've had people ask me, Dr. Mitchell, have you ever had any visions of angels? No, I've never seen one. I've seen two-legged ones. I've seen men and women who really are angels, children of God. But I've never had no visions of angels. Why should I be occupied with angels when I've got the Son of God to be occupied with? 
friend, are you being sidetracked from knowing the Lord in all his wonder and all his grace by something, some other person, angels, dreams, persons, experiences, instead of Christ? Is Christ the object not only of your faith but of your devotion? Here's a woman who's in love with a Savior. She's not going to be sidetracked by any angels or anybody else. I say it sadly. Too many of us Christians have been sidetracked by people, by things, by experiences. I don't care how wonderful the experiences are. Please don't be sidetracked by anything. May your heart, may your devotion, may your love and affection be centered on the person of our Savior. He is the one who is altogether lovely, not your angels, not your experiences. Jesus is the only one who is worthy of our adoration and worship. And I appeal, appeal to you believers, please don't be sidetracked by anything that will keep you from our precious Savior. You remember Paul could say in Philippians 3, I count everything but loss, what for? That I might know him, the power of his resurrection. I'm willing to give up good things if need be if those good things keep me from the enjoyment of Christ. Now may the Lord bless you today, and may Christ be the very center of attraction in your heart and life, for his precious namesake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.